I'm Io. My name's Pauline, and I'm the host of Hello, Podcast Year, an Avatar podcast party. Every Wednesday, I'll talk about an episode of Avatar The Last Airbender and highly overanalyze a children's animation TV show from the mid to late 2000s. So, crack open some cactus juice and let's get started. Hello, welcome to episode 10 of Hello, Podcast Here, an Avatar podcast party. HPH is what I've been calling it in my head, but I feel like HPH means something else. No, HRH is Her Royal Highness. NPH is Neil Patrick Harris. I am not NPH, I am Pauline. (laughs) If you are new to the podcast, I know I um, was in the Nickelodeon Twitch stream a couple days ago, so if you found me through there, it was really cool. Nikki Animation was asking me why I know why I knew so much about Avatar and I told them that I have a podcast and they said you should drop your podcast in the Twitch stream so I did so I don't know if there's people listening that are from the Twitch stream if you're from Honor Society if you're from wherever welcome this is a podcast for everyone so <laughs> uh, wow it has been a rough couple weeks. I'll just, I'll say that, um, I was on vacation last week and I was trying really hard to record a podcast or to record an episode there and release it because I don't know how to do vacation. Like I'm, I feel like I'm more of a workhorse. So I felt like I had to do something and I was trying really hard and it just, it was not good. Like it was bad. First of all, I didn't have my microphone, so the the sound quality was just terrible. It sounds like my first couple episodes, to be honest, really bad. And there was like eight people in the house, like just talking and laughing and arguing. There was a lot of arguing, um, which you would not want to hear. And the walls were super thin, so you could hear everything. And I was, my bedroom was right in front of the kitchen. So naturally everybody was there. I tried to record in the basement and of course the air conditioning kicked on and it sounded like I was in a helicopter and there was construction going on. They started at like 6.30 in the morning and didn't end until like 7 PM. It was loud. And I wanted to record on the beach, but then the waves were really loud. So it just, it was not working out. And so now I'm releasing an episode a week late. I'm so sorry. But, but I will be doing my bonus episodes, as I said in the last episode. So I'm still going to do one on fan fictions. Oh, I, just because fan fictions are fantastic. They just help bring a whole new perspective to things and fandoms and what could have been and, and just to read people's work oh, it's just so good I just I, I and the fact that none of these people are published or some of them could be but a good amount of the fan fiction writers that I read are not published authors like you know they have a book or, or you know a typical published author that we would we would think about um and I think fan fiction authors just deserve so much more credit. So that's why I want to donate an episode to them. But not even just that. I think I'm going to, you know, continue to do bonus episodes on fan fictions because I have 
um, you know, a pretty good list of what I wanted to go over of, of what I've read so far, but I have this huge list of others I still haven't touched. So if you have any other fan fictions you want to send me, I don't care if they are like a one-off chapter, if they're 60 chapters long, like I don't care, please send me anything. And again, I don't care what the plot is. I don't care the type of universe, the ship, uh, characters, anything like that. Send it to me. I will read it and we'll talk about it on, on a podcast. The other bonus episode I wanted, again, it's on the types of ships that you, or not the type, the one true pairing, the ship that you believe in and why. So I already got a voice message from Katie. So again, uh, you can send a voice message through the Anchor app. So it's anchor.fm slash hello podcast here. From what I've seen, you can only do it on Safari. So if you have an iPhone and if you have the Safari mobile browser, you can send me one there. If you just want to record just a piece of audio and email it to me, hellopodcastsierra at gmail.com, please do so. I just want to hear everything. So Katie already sent one on Taka. So I will be talking about Katang and Zutara just because I love both of them. But if someone wants to come on and talk about Zuka, because I don't know a whole lot about Zuka and there's a lot of fan fictions I was sent. I see it though. Boiling Rock part one and part two. I mean, I see it. But even though I know Suki's in there, but um, yeah, if you guys, I would love to hear everyone's opinions. And again, I want it to be an open environment where you feel comfortable talking about it and not feel attacked or judged because that is not the environment that I want to broadcast. So if you just want to send an audio recording or if you want to have a conversation with me, and again, I'm not going to be asking rude questions. I'm not going to be argumentative, uh, anything like that. I'm just going to ask you questions that will get you talking and thinking. And if there's a part that you just want me to cut out, totally can do that. And again, you can remain anonymous, whatever it is. I want to send, I want to get people on the podcast to talk about it. So those are the two bonus episodes I have so far. And I was debating making one of the topics I'm going to talk about today, which is obviously the news about the live action. I've thought about making that its own separate episode, but I just thought, why not just, just put it in this one just because I I didn't release an episode this last week, so I'm just going to include it with this. But next week, I will have a guest, my friend Kevin. I've talked about Kevin a couple times on here. He's my friend in Portland. He's a Trailblazers fan. Courtside Kev. We're going to talk about The Great Divide and, you know, what's going on in Portland and what's going on in, you know, the United States and, and the rest of the world as it relates to The Great Divide, just because I know it's an episode that people don't really like, I guess, but I want to make it interesting and I want to relate the episode to what's going on right now because I I think it is relatable, so, and give it more credit. So, I think I've been pretty silent about the live action. I I tweeted, like, I'm processing my thoughts or, or... you know, I reposted their messages and their posts on Instagram, but I haven't really formed an opinion on it. <laughs> and I think it was because I was saving it for 
pod. But and I thought a lot about it and I did a lot of research on everything, like what people were saying, how people were reacting, what was their gut reaction, what was their reactions afterwards, like after having some time to think. And I even put out a, a little questionnaire on Instagram and on Twitter and most of everyone said really, really sad, sad but understandable. Lucas said it's incredibly sad, but knowing they left to keep their vision pure makes me happy. Some people even went on to bring up M. Night Shyamalan and the last Airbender movie and saying, you know, it's going to be a whole season of it. Uh, if I was skeptical of the project before, now I have little to no hope for it and I'll probably skip it. And I probably won't watch it now. I don't really see the point, or I didn't really see the point of it before and now, well, I don't know. And on Twitter, someone said... It's just really unfortunate, and Hollywood just needs to stop ruining things that are, are good. So, so I want to say, and I want to preface it, that these are my opinions, and it's okay to disagree with them, and I will respect it if you disagree with them. These are just my opinions, but um, it really sucks that Bryke left, or Mike and Brian, I will refer to them as Bryke. So, in case you don't know... Uh, Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Knitzko, the co-creators of Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, were involved in the Netflix live-action series, and they left as of June 2020 and released a statement about it last Wednesday. So, breaking news within the fandom. A lot of people had a lot of things to say about it. It really sucks that they left, and, you know... Regardless of the situation, whether it was this live action or just even at work or even your personal life, like, you never want to hear people leave because of negative environment. Like, I, it just, I've been there. I've been there where I felt like I, I, I was so unhappy to go there every day. I get it. You know, you never want to put yourself in that situation because it'll harm, you know, other aspects of your life. It'll harm your mental health, which is really important. I'm a huge huge advocate for mental health awareness because I went to school for psychology specifically around mental health. Um, you just, you never want to hear people leave because of a negative environment and we don't really know what exactly went on, but from their messages, it didn't sound very good. Um, and it, it, it sucks that they feel that way because Bryke created the world of Avatar. You know, they created this idea of it and they sound really unhappy with this opportunity that they, they felt they could expand the, the world that they created in areas that they didn't before and now they don't have that opportunity. Yeah, that, that was my initial reaction. Like, it really sucks that they left, but my main thing in life in general right now is that I'm trying to remain optimistic about things, especially for things that I don't have a lot of information on or... Things that I've, I've never experienced myself. So in terms of the live action, I'm trying my best not to judge it until I actually see it. Whether it's more photos or a trailer or a clip or even a first episode. Like, I, I personally don't want to judge it until we actually see it. Maybe, maybe I can find a way to be one of the test subjects for it. Like, the test for the pilot. Netflix, if someone works for Netflix... Hit me up. I'll be a good judge. Um, but, you know, 
we we could have seen something great with Brike being involved, but we still can. That is a possibility because again, we don't know what went on. We don't know who else is involved. Because like, I, I was reading things like they brought some people back that they worked with in other works before or even in, in Avatar. So who knows? Maybe there's going to be this miracle where it's still good or, or still tolerable to say the least. But and just maybe, just maybe, it it might not be the end of the world if now that Brike left. Because if you think about it, like Brike... They are great. I I owe a lot to Brike, and I think we all do, because if it weren't for them creating this idea of Avatar in two weeks before their pitch meeting with Nickelodeon and giving a two-hour speech in front of the, the VP, um, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. And I probably wouldn't have been able to meet any of the people that I've been able to, to converse with on, on all my social medias and things like that. Brike is... They're world builders. They're great with that. And they created this idea of Avatar and they didn't have all the 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 specific things like meshed out just yet. But, you know, they had the characters, they had their design, they had, you know, three seasons, specifically three seasons right from the beginning. And they had the ending figured out, sort of. Like, they had an idea of what was going to happen. And that's great. Brike is great. But if you look at it, if you... <laughs> Watch the end credits of every episode of Avatar. There are at least like a hundred plus names there. So I think a lot of other people came along to make Avatar great and what it is that we saw in in the the animated series. You know, you got Aaron Ehas being the head writer. You got Tim Hedrick. You got Dave Filoni, Giancarlo Volpe, um, Laura McMullen. Um, I'm blanking on a lot of other people's names, but there's so many people that came together to make Avatar fantastic. And you have everybody from the different animation companies. You got the track team with Jeremy Zuckerman, ben Benjamin Wynn. So many people came together to make Avatar just fantastic. So I don't know if any of those people were involved in the Netflix live action series, but if any of them were, Maybe I would have more faith in, in the live action, just because they played such an important part with the original series. If they're a part of it, even if Brike left, I don't know if it would be the end of the world. Um, or the polar opposite of that. Maybe someone else will come along and still uphold Avatar for what it was. And it doesn't have to be them, it doesn't have to be Brike, but what if someone came in and was like, alright, I was a big fan of the animated series, we're gonna do it as we're gonna give it do it justice or whatever like that who knows i don't know again we don't really know who else was involved in the live action i i haven't really seen a whole lot of information but um i i personally want to wait to see what happens before i judge it and and deem it horrible um but i will say i'm not as excited about it as i was before due to their messages. You know, they were saying whatever ends up on screen is not what we intended. That doesn't make me excited. <laughs> but again, who knows? Maybe there's going to be someone that comes in on a white horse and just saves the day and makes it great. I don't know. We have no idea. I don't even know when it's going to be released at this point. Just because everything with COVID, every 
um, everything in Hollywood just kind of stopped. And I know some places are going back. I don't know if they've started. I, I'm assuming this put a, a pretty big halt into what they were doing just because Brike was the, Brike were the showrunners. So showrunner is the person that's, you know, kind of in charge of the whole thing. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. I am talking really fast, but that's because I'm quite passionate about this. <laughs> and, and I've also seen, and again, this is the research that I, I did when I was forming my thoughts, but I saw that some people were already unhappy with Brick to begin with due to them not being as respectful to their fans. And I saw something where they were mocking fan art at a convention with, you know, a video presentation. And I don't know the whole story behind that, but if someone is unhappy with Brick, even before this news broke out, I want to know. I want to know more information about it because I did some digging and some people found them to be problematic. So I would love to hear the opinions on that. I, I want to know. Um, and again, in terms of why they left, I'm assuming it's because of creative differences. Maybe it's because they weren't allowed to express their creative freedom. Um, we don't really know what Brike was doing or what they were changing or what Netflix was making challenging to them. And maybe it was the complete opposite. Maybe Netflix wanted to change things and expand on things and and Brike was like, no. We're keeping it the way it was in, in the animated series. We're not going to change anything. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I personally think from Mike's message where he said, this is not the end of my involvement within Avatar. I think that they have something up their sleeve to expand the universe in a different way. I don't know. Because I, I know Mike was involved in... I think both novels of The Shadow of Kyoshi, and he did some writing for the comics, or he had some input in them, in them, I guess. Maybe they'll have a bigger role in graphic novels and comics. I don't know. It would be very interesting if they came back with, hey, we're doing a season four, or hey, we're doing uh, another animated series on Kyoshi. Like, who knows? I, I think... I'm suspicious. I think they have something up their sleeve and they're going to do something big besides this live action. So, I don't know. And maybe after all this news came out and Netflix saw the outcry of the fans that would be the ones watching the show and now all those people were like writing it off, maybe Netflix is going to be like, oh fuck, like we, we just burned that bridge. All the people that were supposed to watch it are now writing us off. Maybe they'll take that into consideration and change things, change things up a bit. I don't know. That would be really interesting to see if that actually happened, but. <sighs> whew, I gotta take a little, a little breather here because I've been, whew, I've been going off. But my main thing is it really sucks that Bright left. I'm really sorry that they left. I'm sorry for them. Because dealing with the negative environment that, or something that you feel is negative, even if the other party does not think it is, it's never good. Um, just because I've, I've been there, my last job was just, <sighs> my last job was a lot. But, yeah, I just, I, I think it sucks. But I am the type of person, or I'm trying to be the type of person that remains hopeful and optimistic. So I won't be writing the live action off right away. 
Um, I think if I had more information on what went down and, and you know, a glimpse into what the live action is going to be, like a literal glimpse as in show me a pilot or something like that, uh, then I would be able to form a, a more informed opinion. But So someone said this earlier, so I read out some people's responses is like, I didn't see the point in the live action before. And that really got me thinking because when I first saw that there was going to be a live action, I, I'm not going to lie, I questioned it a little bit. Like, yes, I was excited, but I, I questioned it just because I, I think that there's this huge stigma around animation in the industry and animation is not looked at the same way as you know, live TV and, and TV or live movies, I should say. I don't think it gets enough credit. I don't think it gets enough recognition. I think it gets overshadowed a little bit. And I don't know the specifics of it, but I, I'm pretty sure royalties don't work the same way when it comes to animated shows. Because, like, if you, like, this is a really random example, but Degrassi. So Degrassi was this huge show back in the day, and I don't know if it's still on, but Drake, who played Jimmy? I think his name is Jimmy? Yeah, Jimmy in the wheelchair, I think, because he got shot in the back, which was really, really traumatic for me when I watched that as a kid. But Drake still gets paid for Degrassi. Like, he posted this check, like, three years ago, and it said he got, like, $58 from Degrassi. So even though that's not a lot, like, he's still getting paid for Degrassi reruns. So I don't know if that's the same way for all all animation. Like, do voice actors get paid for reruns of, of animation? Like, when Avatar was released on Netflix, like, is... Are all the voice actors getting paid? I don't know. I don't know. I, I just read somewhere that royalties do work differently with animation and just the whole point is that animation gets overlooked and is not treated the same way and people feel that they need to do a live action version of animation like they did one with Mulan and that's now coming out in September um I'm very skeptical of that but we'll see I'll still watch it though um but yeah I don't know I don't know like do you think it's necessary I'm asking you guys, like, do you think the live action is even necessary at this point? Um, I know, you know, maybe you can show the special effects of bending in a different way than, than what was shown in animation. Maybe you can expand a little bit more on, on the story. Who knows? I don't know. I want to hear the flip side of that. Like, do you think that a live action is necessary? Or do you think the animation was fine? Because... I'll be honest, I think I'm more than okay watching the, the animation. More than fine with that. And I've been watching Korra and I've just been crying because I... I just... Ugh. Korra. So great. It's good. I think it's good. Yeah, there's problems. I don't think they know how to write romance at all, in my opinion. But, um, they as in Bright, but just because they wrote season one, but I just, I, I think, I think animation in general just needs more recognition, and I think do, making them into live actions is, is tricky, 
but if done right, I don't know. I just, I think, I just think all in all, I, we need to fix the stigma around animation. Because some people might think it's nerdy, some people might think it's corny. I love it. And, like, COVID alone, I've, I think I've watched nothing but animated TV shows. Um, right now I'm watching Agretzko. So, Retzko is, it's, it's hilarious. Retzko is this red panda, like Pabu. She's a red panda, and she works an accountant and is at, oh god, works as an accountant at this place and hates her job. And in order to, like, <laughs> in order to de-stress and release the tension in her body, she does hardcore like screamo music at a karaoke place like really close by her work there's two seasons so far and there's a second season coming out in a couple of weeks and i just i think it's so funny i don't i just think the concept of this cute little red panda sc doing screamo music is just it's so great because she's like this cute little proper panda and she has such a high squeaky voice where she's like and she's super polite she doesn't like to speak up or speak out against people but then when she goes into this karaoke bar she just lets loose and just screams this entire time it's i love it i really like it so if you're looking for something cute to watch agretzko i recommend i'm probably saying that incorrectly uh the sh every episode's only like 15 minutes so it's it's not a lot um, and Agretzko is actually, or Retzko is, is inspired by Sanrio. So, pretty sure Sanrio is like, um, Kirby and, and Hello Kitty, I think. I could be wrong. I could totally be wrong. But, yeah, so that is my, my, my take on this. It sucks that Bright left, but just maybe... Just maybe there's a chance, there's a small chance it might not be the end of the world if they did. And I'm trying not to judge it until I see something, something more tangible. So if anyone can find out how I can be a test subject for the pilot, let me know because I would love to do that. And follow-up question, do we think we need a live action? Is a live action even necessary at this point? Let me know your thoughts, Twitter, DM, Instagram, email forgetting all my things let me know Whew, that is my tangent wow okay we're like almost 30 minutes into the podcast i even i haven't even talked about jet oh god i haven't even talked about jet oh jet he was in the fan fiction that i read today so now i'm like fueled on my hate for jet even though i'm i'm pretty indifferent about him but okay <laughs> that is the end of my rant about the live action if you want to respond about any of the things that I talked about, please reach out. If I said something wrong or if you don't agree with something that I said, I want to hear your opinions. So reach out to me. Twitter, Instagram, email, whatever it is you want to use. Let me know. All right. Book one, chapter 10. Jet. Fun fact. Well, actually, we're not at the fun facts yet. I'm going to save that for later. Oh, God, I'm getting way too ahead of myself. Alright, first premiered May 6th, 2005, writer was James Egan, director was Dave Filoni, and animation was done by JM Animation. Summary is that Aang, Katara, and Sokka accidentally wander into a Fire Nation camp 
After Sokka says they need to travel by foot due to its instincts. Luckily, a group of rebels called the Freedom Fighters come and take down the soldiers. Led by Jet, Katara and Aang are easily won over him, while Sokka, rightfully so, is skeptical. Sokka then discovers Jet's true colors and attempts to expose him, only to be captured by his other Freedom Fighters. Aang and Katara are convinced by Jet to help him with his plan, which is to actually flood the nearby town inhabited by Fire Nation, killing all the men, women, and children. Thankfully, with Sokka's instincts, they were able to get everyone out safely. Now on to my fun facts. <laughs> so the first fun fact is that this is the second episode, and I think only one of two episodes where the t main title is just one word. So book one, chapter six with Haru was called Imprisoned, and this one is just Jet. And I don't think there's another one out or after this where there's there's nothing else. But second fun fact, we meet the Freedom Fighters. Woohoo! <laughs> so we see some of the Freedom Fighters again in Ba Sing Se, some at the invasion and Western Air Temple, and some of them are even in the first comic book, the com uh, the the promise. So they play a pretty fun role in that, I guess I should say. Um, third, third fun fact, third fun fact. So I I'm saying this as a fun fact in my opinion. I guess I really shouldn't say it's a fact. I guess it's a fun opinion. Uh, this is the first boy that we see Katara really smitten with. We obviously see her connect with Haru, but I, I think their relationship and friendship, I should say, is just more platonic. Um, but it's very obviously pointed out that Katara has a crush on Jet here. So that is my fun opinion. But <laughs> the last fun fact that I had is that Katara uses her breath to free somebody. We've seen her freeze, like, water on the ground and things like that but this was really cool so we get to see her freeze jet with her her breath uh parallels to other work so the forest uh is inspired by house of flying daggers the fight scenes between ang and jet are inspired by naruto and samurai champloo uh jet's hair is inspired by cowboy bebop and the freedom fighter hideout this is more for me um, the Freedom Fighter hideout reminded me of, like, the Ewok area in Star Wars. So, I don't know. If you agree with that, let me know. If you've never watched Star Wars, ignore that. But, <laughs> alright, let's actually get into this episode. Fucking, well, 35 minutes later. Alright, here we go. <laughs> so, they are walking through a forest. Actually, they're not walking. I'm assuming they just woke up. Momo is walking around and he gets captured. Ugh. He gets captured by one of those Fire Nation cages, I guess. And definitely Fire Nation just because they are more technologically advanced, I guess. And they have access to better materials. And, and Sokka talks about this a little bit later. But uh, Momo gets captured and he gets shot up into the air and he is hanging in a tree with two hog monkeys so this is the first time that we see hog monkeys and i don't know if we see any more after this but 
hog monkeys is usually used as like a a term of surprise or just something to say instead of a curse word in this show. So in the previous episode with the waterbending school, uh, the lead captain, pirate, whatever you want to call him, the lead pirate captain, says bleeding hog monkeys when his ship is being stolen by uh, Aang. So, <laughs> uh, so, not Sokka. Aang, Aang rescues Momo. And as he drops to the ground, he gets the lychee nut and the Momo music plays. I will never get tired of the Momo music. I love it so much. I like that we get an extended version of it in the Tales of Bossing say. But then the, sh the episode gets so sad. Oh, I don't know what's, what's more sad. Like the Tale of Iroh or the Tale of Momo. Because they're both just so sad that episode that podcast episode is literally gonna be like three hours long and two hours of it is just gonna be me sobbing um and i'm not gonna cut it out <laughs> just kidding Sokka then rescues the other two hog monkeys and then they run away i'm assuming that the fire nation captured or put out those traps so that they could have dinner but ugh, can't can't imagine anyone eating a monkey Ugh, okay. Alright, let's get past that before I start to gag. So, now they're talking a little bit. Sokka brings up his instincts and he says, My instincts are telling me that we have to walk instead of fly. Instincts are going to be a huge part of this episode, specifically for Sokka. And honestly, just a huge part of his entire character development and the rest of the plot. I'm pretty sure, and I can't remember... I'm. I think it's either the third or fourth part of Sozin's comment, Sokka makes a comment about his instincts and nobody questions him. Whereas in this episode, it's it's a, a running joke. So, Sokka's a smart guy. I hate, I absolutely hate when I see things out there. They're like, Sokka's dumb. Sokka's useless. Shut up. Because honestly, I don't think anybody would be alive or just safe if it weren't for Sokka. I think Sokka is so useful. Like, Bender or, like, non-Bender, he is so important. I digress. As Sokka is taking sleeping bags from Aang, um, after he says that they're not flying, it, like, pans to a faraway shot and both of the sleeping bags that he just put on the ground are gone. So, maybe Katara put them somewhere, I don't know, but they disappear, but then you see them again while they carry it. But Sokka is talking about why they should walk on foot instead of fly, and it's because Appa is a 10-ton flying bison and is really noticeable, and he's so right, because in, in the, what is it, the Winter Solstice, like, Izuko was easily able to find them because he saw Katara flying Appa in the air. Um, I'm still so confused by this because, well, actually, in the last episode they probably heard them talk about Zuko being a prince, but they were never fully introduced to Zuko. So, like, in the Warriors of Kiyoshi, when Zuko invades Kiyoshi Island, Katara's like, ah, Zuko! But, like, how do you know his name, Katara? Maybe it's like a, a widely known thing that Zuko is a prince of the Fire Nation. He has a scar on his face. You know, process of elimination. This this kid has a scar on his face. He 
has the royal armor, whatever. Um, that that's Zuko. I don't know, but so Katara's talking about <laughs> Sokka not being the lead, and I love Jack Descendants' voice acting here. I just I think it's great. Uh, Jack in general is fantastic, and he always gives himself shit on the Honor Society stream when he says that he like only voices teenagers and will only voice teenagers for the rest of his life but he's great i first discovered jack on all that so all that was like such a great show um that i watched like back in the day and i'm pretty sure there's a revival of it right now but he was on like the second portion of all that like they had it in the 90s and then they brought it back again in like the early 2000s so i watched both of those and he was on he was on the one season that I watched but I just love the the range that Jack has and on honor side society not the last one but the the one before that he was like demonstrating his voice range so he went from super high to super low just like this scene and I just thought it was it was great but I Jack I'm okay with you voicing teenagers because your characters rock. It's him and Callum on the Dragon Prince, but Katara is just like giving Sokka shit for his instincts and just being leader. And again, I think it's okay for there to be a leader because at the end of the day, they're still kids and they need some sort of structure or direction, especially in the desert. You know, she takes the lead and gets everybody out and survives in that heat and with no water no food just the cactus juice like oh like you got a blind girl you got uh an angry monk you got that's like an oxymoron an angry monk um and then you got you know a drunk brother and a drunk what's it called <laughs> lemur like i think it's okay to have a leader every now and then not always you know well maybe always i don't know i'm digressing but Sokka, it's okay for you to be a leader and to take charge. But <laughs> now they're walking. They are carrying all of their shit on their back. Aang has the most stuff out of all three of them. Which I think is hilarious because he's the smallest. But, I mean, I don't think he'll complain. I feel like Aang doesn't complain that much. But I love this transition. Because Sokka's like, we gotta avoid the Fire Nation. And they walk straight into a Fire Nation camp. Like, what are the odds? Sokka then catches on fire. They build, like, a firewall around, like, a ring around them so they can't leave. But Katara quickly puts out the, the fire on his shoulder. But Sokka is threatening them by bluffing. And then the soldier in front of them just falls. And you later see that he gets shot with an arrow i guess from long shot but then someone descends from the trees drops to the ground and takes down two two soldiers and says down you go great first line by jet this is a great great introduction to jet i thought this was cool really badass and i i love the freedom fighter music it just sounds super heroic and motivating, I guess. I don't know what else to say. I just think it's a great, great theme song for them. So here we are. We meet Jet. We meet Jet for the first time. 
we can... I want to take this time to talk a little bit more about Jet, just because I think he's... Obviously, he's a really important character in this episode, but um, obviously we see him later on. So, Jet fights with hook swords that are... And, and hook swords are usually associated with Chinese martial arts, so that is pretty fitting. Jet is voiced by Crawford Wilson. So, Crawford has also done some voice acting for Batman, and he, he also had some roles on Zoe 101. He, Crawford, he isn't Crawford, actually came on an Honor Society stream a few times a couple years ago, back when they were doing streams, which was cool. So, Jet primarily serves as Sokka's foil. So, foil, not like aluminum foil. Foil in literature is, you know, a character in which, you know, is used to, to contrast uh, another character, primarily protagonist, to help accentuate their their features basically so Jet is 16 years old so he is roughly the same age as Sokka and the same age as Zuko I mentioned this before he has long hair like Cowboy Bebop <laughs> uh, he has his iconic like twig or hay that sticks out of his mouth and somehow never falls out but Zuko cuts it in Bossing Say which I thought was cool Fire Nation killed his parents when he was eight and we do see a flashback in Lake Lao Guy with that. And it from from the looks of it, it looks like he saw Fire Nation burn down his village and probably burn down burn his parents too. But he's been on a no, on his own for eight years since then. Which is oh, That's rough. That's rough. That's rough, buddy. Oh, God, I hate myself for saying that. Okay, so let's break down this fighting scene. So Jet, using his hook swords, obviously he's really good at it. The Duke, the Duke, jumps down on a soldier's back and and rides him like a wild hog monkey, as what Jet says later. Um, so the Duke is, I guess he's homeless because Jet says that they found him trying to steal their food, so, and that he never really had a home, so Jet took him in. We then see Longshot. Longshot has a bow and arrow. I guess that's where he got his name. Longshot does not talk at all in this episode, and even in Bossing Say, the only time he talks is at the very end of Lake Loud Guy, which, oh, made me so sad. Oh. That one's gonna be a long episode, too. Honestly, all of the Bossing Say episodes are gonna be long, FYI. Uh, Longshot's town got burned down by the Fire Nation, similar to Jet. So, Sneers is the next, whatever it's called, uh, Freedom Fire that we see. Sneers just, like, disarms the shit out of the Fire Nation soldiers. Sneers is there. Smellerby. Smellerby is a girl. Smellerby is a girl. Iroh misgenders her in Bossing Say, which is really shitty. Um, so Smellerby is a girl and primarily uses knives. And the knife that she's using looks pretty similar to the one that Jet says that the old man has. So there's a theory out there that it was actually Smellerby's. I, I, I'll believe that for sure. Uh, and then Pipsqueak. <laughs> Pipsqueak just beats the shit out of the Fire Nation soldiers and, and just bends all of their weapons with his log or whatever. And he's a pretty big dude. Like, I, I would say he's on par with, like, 
the earthbending pros that we see, or even, I guess it's Chitsang in Boiling Rock? The guy that they escaped with. So while the Freedom Fighters are fighting, Katara and Aang are also doing their part, which catches Jet's eye. And Sokka is attempting to fight, but every time he does, or is about to take a strike, Jet swoops in and, and takes this guy. And Jet, of course, stumbles right into Katara. And he looks super tall compared to her, but also Katara's pretty short. But So now they're doing some introductions. Aang <laughs> says that Pipsqueak's name is really funny. Honestly, I think Aang is the only person that could get away with that. And Pipsqueak is laughing with him, which I think is cool that the biggest guy's name is Pipsqueak. <laughs> so now the Freedom Fighters are raiding the camp. Sokka is eyeing each and every one of them pretty suspiciously. Again, he totally has a right to because they look pretty suspicious. They find Blasting Jelly. So we'll see Blasting Jelly used later on at the end of this episode, but also by the pirates when they try to kill our boy Zuko in the Waterbedding Master. They also find Jelly. So Jelly to blow things up with and Jelly to eat. So... <laughs> Now they're going to their hideout to bring all of their stuff back and they invite Aang, Katara, and Sokka with them. Aang is fine. He gets up by airbending. Doesn't need the string. Sokka gets yeeted all the way up there. And then we have this Jetara moment. So Jet and Katara. Where he's literally sweeping her off her feet. For this, they made the background and like the hue of the scene like red just to support and showcase the love and connection between the two. The music is a much more slowed down romantic version of the Freedom Fighters theme. Very cute. You know, Katara is a great girl. She's quite the catch and here she is getting the attention that she deserves, I guess, from from a boy, but obviously this doesn't last too long. Um, meanwhile, Aang is out there totally oblivious because he also is, like, so impressed by Jet. But while they're going up into the hideout, Katara's water pouch disappears. So I don't know what's going on there. Again, it's probably, this is, the animation in this scene is probably just to focus solely on Jet and Katara and who gives a fuck about her water pouch. But now we get to the hideout. So the hideout is really high up in the trees. It's fall. The trees are just the most beautiful color. And the way that they drew the trees is so pretty. Although <laughs> the stream that I just watched with Nickelodeon on Twitch, they said that trees was really difficult to animate. But I, I think they did such a good job with them. I am so amazed episode after episode with the art and animation in this fucking show. I mean, wow. 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 But what do the Freedom Fighters do when it gets cold and the leaves fall down? Like, don't they lose their cover? I'm assuming that other people aren't really hiding there. Like, camping, I should say. No one's camping in the woods, therefore no one else is going to see them. But, so the hideout, again, they get up there with the string. There's wooden pathways there's little huts there's ropes it's just it's a camp but in the trees and there are a lot more kids hiding than the freedom fighters that we just saw fight so oh and they get around with zip lines and bridges and all that stuff 
So I have, I'm assuming that a set group of people go out and fight and get the supplies while the other kids stay stay back and let them up with, with the strings or whatever. So now they're all walking. Sokka is trying to get around Pipsqueak, which is so funny. And you hear the, the little spring noise every time he jumps. And obviously he gets shooed away. And then we have this little moment between Jet and Katara again where... He tells her about his parents and how he lost them to the Fire Nation. And Katara also mentions her mom, how she lost her to the Fire Nation. And they both understand each other. They both understand the loss that each one felt and, and had. And I don't know. And, and same thing with Haru. You know, Haru lost his father. Now, granted, his father's not dead. But he also hadn't seen her. His father in like what, like five years or something? I don't, I don't know how long it was, but still a long time. So yeah, Fire Nation has really fucked up people's families. Clearly, <laughs> that was really aggressive. So now they're at the campfire. Jet has this pretty, yeah, a pretty intense speech. Sokka is just like, Ugh. I don't, get, ah, meh, whatever. <laughs> and then Katara just tells. Jet that Aang's the Avatar, so I guess they can trust him because he just helped them take down the Fire Nation or whatever, but Jet seems super interested in the fact that Aang is the Avatar, so who knows? But Jet manages to convince Sokka to stay the, for the next day for their mission. It's the morning. Again, the trees are so beautiful. Uh, the Freedom Fighters communicate via bird whistling. Which is, it, it's a cool whistle. It also reminds me of Hunger Games. Obviously, that's a, uh, I almost called her Prim. That's her sister. What Katniss does um, with the Mockingjays. But I can't whistle. Both of my parents can whistle. My sister can whistle. I can't. I guess I got the recessive gene. I don't know. Punnett Square. Um, <laughs> I'll do a Punnett Square later to see if I can whistle or not. Sokka stabs the tree that he's sitting on with his knife and is feeling the vibrations with the ground to see how many people are walking and coming towards them. This was really cool because, like, is he channeling a certain earthbender that we're going to see a little later on? Toph? Cool. That was really cool. Again, pointing out the art in the scene, I love it because lighting is such a huge thing within animation. And I just, I love how they have the light poking through the trees and through the leaves and onto them. And, you know, as they move, the light stays put, but it, it moves around them. It's just, it's so cool. But we then see that the person that was approaching them was just an old, old guy. And Jet just, like, jumps down from whatever branch he was on. And he looked really high up. So, oh, I could never, I can't jump that far down because I think my shins... My ankles would just, like, snap in half. I could never do it. But I guess he's used to it. Jet calls him a leech. And pretty much just, like, threatens to kill him. And honestly, if Jet was- Or if Saga wasn't there, I think they would have killed this guy. But his eyebrows are, like, extra arched and are super crazy. His eyebrows are just- are whack. They're- ugh. This old guy gets- all of his stuff taken away. I'm pretty sure they kick his cane, which I'm, I don't, I hate that a lot. I, uh, I hate that. My dad walks with a cane, so it's just like, ugh, I can, I can't, 
that this this part aggravated me a whole lot and I'm glad that Sokka realizes that it's wrong and that this is yeah the guy's fire nation but he, the dude just walking so now they're back at the hideout <laughs> Aang has these little fire nation snaps they remind me of those little poppers that you throw on the ground for 4th of July or whatever celebration that you have and I hate them but they like they just sit on the ground I don't know if they're like biodegradable like do they disintegrate Maybe I shouldn't use those anymore. I have so many boxes of them. Anyways, Sokka is clearly really upset because of what he just saw. Rightfully so. I'm upset by it. I, I, ugh. So Sokka's upset. Katara made Jet a hat. <laughs> and um, Sokka calls Jet her boyfriend. But she, like, doesn't get offended by it and doesn't even deny it either. So, like... That, to me, just further, I mean, it's obvious, but just further proves how much she feels about Jet. So, this part really bothered me because Jet is a boy that they just met yesterday. And Katara is gonna believe him over her brother? How toxic is that, I think? That is, that, ugh. I can't believe that, that they would take Jet's side. And he is such a good liar and manipulator. He just manipulates them this entire episode. It's so toxic. But, wow. I just, ugh. that really bothered me that she would believe this boy that she just met a day ago over her own brother. And I talked about this a little bit with Haru, or in the episode with Haru, where she's, ready to risk it all for a boy that she just met like and it doesn't even have to be a boy like it's just anybody that that Katara just meets like she will go out of her way to defend them and again I know she wants to help people and connect with people and like that's her calling in life but like what this ain't it that ain't it Katara what what the god so Jet convinces them that the guy was an assassin that was sent to poison him and has this knife that looks a lot like Smellerby's knife, but there wasn't a knife, and this only pisses Sokka off even more. So that's the end of that scene, which, I mean, is just, I just, I still can't believe it, but I'm going to stop there because I am getting so heated by Jet, so when we come back, we'll see what his true intentions are, and how Sokka confronts him. Alright, we're back. I was just talking to my friend about how toxic Jet is, and how he's like the OG fuckboy. Well, not the OG, but he is a true fuckboy. And how I like, I usually like the fuckboys in, in shows and movies. Like, because before I really broke down this episode, and I loved, I loved Jet. I thought he was great. I thought he was a badass. I loved him. But now I'm like, I want to fight him. If I ever saw him, I'll fight him. And Zuko was, you know, he's problematic too. And I love him too. And, and even in Harry Potter, like Draco. Oh, Draco. I love him so much. Tom Felton. I love Tom Felton. He just posted a video like a, like a week ago of him trying to 
waving a wand outside like to either make it stop raining or to to do something i don't know and it just it sent me i loved it so much oh i and my friend just sent me a text saying that her sister listens hi Brittany. Brittany, I, like, the last time I saw you, I'm pretty sure you were either in elementary school or middle school. I don't remember, but hi. You're probably killing it. You're probably doing so great in life right now, so hello. Hope you're doing well. Hope, I hope all the fam sisters are doing well. Hope you're all doing okay. Um... Where the fuck am I? Oh, okay. I haven't even gotten into the rest of the episode. Okay. I was just talking about toxic boys and how I I love them. Why do I do that to myself? I don't know. I get so invested in them. Maybe it's because I want to fix them. Just because that's my personality. I like to help and fix people. Which is toxic for me, I guess. I don't know. I'm... That's my job here, guys. I overanalyze things and... Jet is toxic, problematic, Zuko is super problematic, Draco is problematic, but I love them. I think deep down I like Jet just because of his backstory. And I'll, I'll get to my full opinion of Jet later on, but uh, this episode's already like an hour long and I'm not even done. So let's just, let's just fucking go. Okay, so Sokka, it's the morning of Sokka follows Jet to see what he's up to and it's a little bit like early in in the morning I would say it's probably around like 4 or 5 a.m and he sees that they are or no he doesn't see what they're doing but he sees that they're walking and he overhears Jet's plan to blow up the dam which is just so shitty and the duke literally asks Jet he's like oh what about all the people down there? What about the kids or whatever? And and Jet is just like, that's the price to pay, Duke. But he doesn't call him the Duke. And I know the Duke gets a little annoyed about that when Haru calls him the Duke in Western Air Temple. Uh, I love the Duke because <laughs> I'm just getting flashbacks. In the invasion, he gives Toph his helmet to puke it. And then you see him rinse it out when they come up for air. <sighs> the Duke. He's so cute. Anyway, Sokka gets captured. And he confronts him. And... Ugh, God. Jet. This is the part that I like. I hate Jet. He's like, take him for a walk. So Sokka's captured. He gets tied up. Uh, apparently they're not suck because he's able to escape later. Um, oh, why did I have this written down? Oh, so this town was an Earth Kingdom town, but now it's, like, inhabited by Fire Nation. It's called Gaipan, but they don't say that in the show. That was, like, an Avatar extra thing. Speaking of, uh, Nickelodeon is airing, or I guess by the time this episode comes out, they aired the first four episodes of Avatar, but with the Avatar extras, um, over the weekend. Oh my god, I think I need to sneeze. Alright. Okay. I don't think I sneezed. I don't, I don't think I need to sneeze anymore. I would say I didn't sneeze. Okay. So now Jet is walking with Katara and Sokka. And he's super manipulative. And he tells them... <coughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did I disturb you, dog? My dog popped her head up. She does that every time someone sneezes. I covered my mouth. 
I did the little little elbow elbow. Don't worry, I covered my mouth. Um Oh god, why am I getting so allergic all of a sudden to something? My nose is running. Alright, let's get let's get into it. Oh gosh. So Jet is super manipulative here. He's like, Katara, whatever you did to to Sokka, whatever you said to him clearly helped because now he apologized to me. Like Sokka Sokka does apologize when he's wrong. But Sokka's not wrong in this instance. And and Katara's like, Well, I did that? So clearly he's just winning her over even more. So now there's geysers that they have to take the water out of to fill up the dam. And Katara says, like, oh, I've never done water bending on water I've never seen before, which is a lie. <laughs> I am, like, all about pointing out mistakes here in this episode. I'm so sorry. I know a lot goes into making these episodes. So Katara bent water when she took it out of Aang's lungs or wherever it was in, in the Warriors of Kyoshi after he like, rides the Unagi or whatever, or after he gets attacked by it. She doesn't see the water that he swallowed, but she still bends it out of him. And then in Imprisoned with Haru, right before she finds out that Haru got arrested, or he was taken, whatever, she takes the water out of the water spout. She didn't see the water. But I guess this is, like, a lot of water that she hasn't seen, or, I don't know, whatever. But Jet... Again, it's super manipulative, reassures her, <laughs> and Aang's like, what about me? Oh, Aang, you're so blind. Can't you see that this boy is taking your girl? Come on. But Jet is super sketchy here and says to meet him at the hideout instead. So some time passes, Aang's best line in the episode is like, oh, I, th I think that's enough. And I'm not just saying that to be lazy. <laughs> that's like a typical kid thing to say like that we're done we're done i say we're done we're good <laughs> and then we, they go to the the reservoir or whatever it's called and they see the blasting jelly and i love the animation here how it like the camera even though it's not really a camera because obviously it's animation but how it zooms over to ang's face and where he realizes that jet's gonna blow up the dam and katara's like no won't do that but Jet takes Aang's glider as he's about to go stop them and just like fucks it up takes the glider Katara's trying to come or confront him and he is being so manipulative and like puts his hand on her face while she's crying Jet you motherfucker get your hand off Katara right now but luckily Katara is able to handle herself and waterbends him the fuck away from her hell yeah don't even do that. Don't try and woo her over with that. What? A, God, that part bothers me so much. Because, like, the absolute last thing I would want as Katara is for Jet to touch me in any way, shape, or form. Let alone look at me. Let alone think about me. Get the fuck away for her, from her, Jet. Ugh. God, now I'm stuttering because I'm so annoyed. <laughs> but now Aang is being confronted by Jet. Jet is trying to fight him. But then, oh, this breaks my heart. Aang says, I'm not gonna fight you, Jet. But this parallels a little bit to what he says to Jet after he gets manipulated with um, Long Fang. 
after he says, oh, the Earth King has invited you to, like, Lao Guy, and then he goes into that hypnosis or whatever it's called, the brainwashing, and Jet starts attacking him, and Aang's like, I'm, I'm not gonna fight you! I'm your friend! So, that reminded me of that, that moment, which is so sad. So, again, this fight scene is inspired by Naruto, and Jet is, like, super skilled. I don't know where he learned to fight. I'm assuming he had to learn to fight on his own or, like, maybe someone from the Freedom Fighters taught him. But he's really good and really skilled and he's able to to keep up with Aang, even though Aang is doing the, the air-bending, uh, you know, avoid and evade type thing where he's just, like, jumping like, really far away, like, from one branch to another, and Jet is just, just able to, to keep up. But Aang gets hit by a branch and just is passed the fuck out. Double punches, which means it's time for the HBIC of the episode. And for this episode, I'm actually going to have two. So the first head bitch in charge is Katara of course Katara look at this look at how she just fucks Jet up I mean doesn't even give him a chance and he doesn't even strike back at her mainly because he can't he doesn't even have the chance to do it so Katara after Aang just like falls to the ground and honestly I don't know how he's like able to get up because he fell how many feet? Like, a lot. I think I would die. But besides that, Katara swoops in and is just strike after strike. Hits Jet and then freezes him with her breath. Oh my god! Katara. Fantastic. I love it. I love this so much. I think she does such a good job with this and I am super proud of her. I think she's just I think she's just fantastic. So talented and I guess, you know, with the waterbedding school, I I'm assuming she learned how to do that with that. If not, maybe it's just been practicing, but the improvement from episode 9 to 10 it's there. I guess that's why Katara then becomes like one of the best waterbenders ever because of this there's so much improvement and, and there's probably a couple days in between, but still, a couple of days. Holy shit. She does such a great job. I love it so much. Katara, you are one of the head bitches in charge of this episode. But I will go over the second one in a little bit. Avatar State of Confusion. I feel like this happened last episode, where both of the segments came, like, one right after the other. But, okay. So, I watched this scene probably, like, 20 times, just because I wanted to make sure. So, Katara just froze Jet to the tree. And he now gave the whistle. The whistle. The signal for Longshot to blow up the dam with his fire arrow and we'll blow up the blasting jelly, then the water will shoot through. But before then, Aang grabs his glider and he's about to go fly. 
So as he opens his glider, you can see that it's ripped on the right side. So we are facing Aang's back. And it's ripped on the right side. I'm assuming it got ripped when Jet grabbed it with his hook swords right before they started fighting. But then the camera angle switches after he falls to the ground and Katara runs over to him to help him up. Now on Katara's side, so we are now facing Aang and Katara. The glider is now fucked up on this new right side, which would technically be the left side of the other angle that we saw. So, which side is fucked up? Or when he fell or, or something, like, did they, like, flip the glider over or something? But then, that wouldn't really make sense. I don't know. I don't know what side the glider is fucked up. I was super confused by this. But also, how does Aang manage to fix the glider? Because after this episode, he's, like, he's smooth sailing. He's good. So I don't... How does he get it fixed? Does Katara just, like, stitch it up? Because the glider is handcrafted by monks. So I don't know if he has any of the materials left to fix it. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe someone from the Northern Air Temple will fix it for him? Who knows? Who knows? Was anyone else confused by that? Or did anyone else catch that? That the glider was fucked up on both sides, even though... The other side was, like, fully intact. Let me know. Let me know your thoughts on that. <laughs> so, now it flips back over to Longshot. So, Longshot clearly gets his name from his talent, which is to shoot bows and arrow bow and arrows and not miss. So, he shoots it and it hits the blasting jelly. I love the part where Katara just, like, whispers, No, because... That's, I feel like that's how you feel at that moment. Like, you just, you're quiet, but you just can't believe what's going on. So, Longshot hits the, the, what's it called? The, the blasting jelly. And now all of the water is blowing through the dam. And it's heading for the village. As the water is pouring through, like, like, it pours through the, the archway before it goes over the wall. But before... <laughs> It goes over the wall. Did anybody catch the bin of cabbages on the left side? This poor cabbage merchant. He is just trying to make a living, just trying to get by. And something just ends up fucking it up every time for him. He can't get a chance. Poor guy. I just... Ugh. So sad. But... I mean, at least he didn't die and he got out in time, but all of his cabbages are, are fucked up. So I, I feel like he's always a village or a town ahead of the gang and just just has the worst luck when it comes to them. And they just, <laughs> oh God, I can't believe it. Poor, poor guy. Anyways, so now... Katara is confronting Jet. She's like, why would you do this? You're you're a monster. She trusted him. All of that stuff. And then this was a win. Whatever Jet says. No, no, it's not Jet. You're, no. But then Sokka comes up. Sokka comes with Appa, which is so cute. Ugh, saves the day. Honestly, I forgot where Appa was this entire time. I guess Sokka was just able to, to grab him 
after he escaped. Um, Smeller Bee and Pipsqueak. So, Sokka was able to warn the village about the plan beforehand. And at first they didn't believe him, but then the old man that he he tried to save vouched for him. Which is just so great. So great. What great karma, you know? But I love how they drew this sequence where Katara is going to the village and they accuse him of you know being a spy and then the the old man is vouching for him and then you see everybody walking out of the village and you know grabbing their belongings it's really sad of course you know they they lost their homes but i mean at least they're also alive which i think is the silver lining to that story but the artwork here and how they did it oh, was just so good i posted it to my instagram and my um my twitter so it should be there so take a look if you don't remember what it looks like but i think the best line here and i also posted this uh, today is the exchange between jet and sokka because i mean from the very beginning they didn't really get along and now sokka is 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 the winner i guess not the winner but he's the he's the bigger man out of the both of them so Jet goes, you're, you're a traitor, and Sokka's, like, best line is, like, no, you became the traitor when you stopped protecting innocent people, which is, I think, the big thing that people hate about Jet is that he doesn't give a shit about what he's doing, what his actions are, and I, I'm sure he believes, or that was his intent at first with the Freedom Fighters, like, he wants to protect all of these kids that have now lost their home due to the Fire Nation, due to the war, but that belief has just gone haywire. Like, it's it's way beyond what he, he originally intended it for it to be. And I'll go over that a little bit later. But now they sail away. But right before they do that, Jet is trying to plead with Katara again. But Katara denies him. She says, goodbye, Jet. And that's it. And that's the last time we see him. Until Ba Sing Se. Oh. But, so now they're flying, you know, they, they finally accept Sokka's instincts and he's correct, and I think, like, from this point on, they don't really doubt Sokka as much as they did before. Yes, like, they still make fun of him and bicker, but, I mean, Sokka's so fucking smart, and now they're, they're realizing it, that he's, they should trust him more often, and never again are they gonna, um, you know... They're just, they're just not going to make fun of him the way that they did before and not going to believe him or are going to believe him this time around. So, which is great because honestly, like I said, I don't think any of them would be safe if it weren't for him. So, <sighs> Sokka. It's episodes like this where Sokka becomes my favorite character. I think Sokka's great. But that's the end of book one, chapter 10, Jet. I forgot to say that Sokka was the other HBIC of this episode, but I think that goes without saying. I mean, what a badass. He's great. He he outsmarted all the freedom fighters, and he acted quick on his feet and was able to get all of those people out in time, and he saved all of those lives. Sokka. Sokka. So good. What a great guy. I love episodes that focus around Sokka and his his what's it called 
character development, I guess. So, yeah. Sokka, you the HBIC, part two. <laughs> okay, so I want to take this time to talk about our boy, Jet, because... I have so many fluctuating feelings about him, and then once I, like, calm down, I, I am able to, to think clearly, so... This is a hot take. This is a hot take, everyone, because, again, 70% of everyone said that they did not like Jet at all, and I think Jet deserves better. I think as a kid, as a 16-year-old kid, Jet deserved better. Um, because he's a kid, as is everyone else, and he probably saw his parents die in front of him. Like, he saw his village burn. I'm sure he, his parents were, were somewhere in that village. So, that's pretty traumatic, um, at eight years old. Uh, for me personally, I remember a lot of shit that happened to me at eight years old, and that still affect me in a negative way. Um, nothing as bad as watching your parents die or watching your village get burned, but all in all, like, my parents got divorced when I was 18, probably just to not figure out the custody battle or whatever, which is just so kind of my parents, so kind. Um, but that doesn't mean my childhood was very happy, so, uh, or at least at home it wasn't too happy, so there were a lot of things that happened when I was at, when I was eight years old that I, I, yeah. That still affected me in a pretty pretty negative way that I'm still trying to overcome. But for Jet specifically, that is really fucking traumatic. Like, and not even just his parents. Maybe he had some friends or, or teachers or, or other family members that were there that died. I don't know. And from then on, like, all Jet knows is war as, as the rest of the kids. And for him... He knows that the Fire Nation made him lose his parents in his home. So for that, he can't see the good in them. And he just, he only wants revenge. Which sounds kind of familiar with the Southern Raiders with Katar. I know Aang says you sound like Jet right now. And, and yeah, because she, she wanted revenge. And I think that's like his motive in life right now. Was just to get revenge on all people of Fire Nation. Whether or not they're, they're innocent or not. So... And I read this on Tumblr about Hama, but I think it applies pretty pretty great with Jet as well, in that suffering only creates more suffering. Jet has suffered a lot, as did Hama, and now they're dealing with their emotions and suffering in a way that only makes them hurt even more. And I think people don't like Jet and people probably don't like Hama because they don't feel bad about their actions. Like, he doesn't care that he is about to kill all of these people in this village. And that he just excuses it for war. I don't think people like him because of how manipulative he is with Katara and Aang and how he treats Sokka. I, Jet, you know, he let his hate for the Fire Nation grow into something bigger than, bigger than him himself. And... Again, everybody else that we've met, Aang, Katara, Sokka, they've all lost something from the Fire Nation, but they're all dealing with it in their own way. And unfortunately, Jet's way is not right. Um, so, I think he could have 
deserved better if he realized that what he was doing was wrong, but he doesn't. So, whereas with Sokka, and we talk about Katara, you know, having to grow up really quick and learn the mother role pretty quick, but Sokka also had to step up and be the leading man of the Water Tribe because everybody else went on to fight in the war and his dad left to go fight in the war. So now even Katara doesn't have, you know, a, a male figure in her life and Sokka kind of had to, to take on that role. And all the other men in his tribe are like four-year-old toddlers. Like, it, it's difficult. And and Katara, she lost her mom. And, and you know, and that's probably really sad because she's probably blaming herself and I, I'm pretty sure she does. Like, her mom sacrificed herself to save her. Which is just, that's a lot of weight on, on a child's shoulders. So, I'm not excusing Jet's actions at all. I don't agree with him at all. I don't think he should have hurt that, that old man for being Fire Nation. I don't think he should have tried to kill innocent people just because they're Fire Nation soldiers in that, in Gaipon or whatever it's called. I just think... That being born during a war and being so exposed to it at such a young age really takes a toll on people. And again, they've all dealt with stuff, but they all deal with it in different- They all had something bad happen to them due to the Fire Nation, but they all deal with it in a different way. And unfortunately, Jet, Jet got the, the shit end of the stick with that. And even Zuko! I didn't even talk about my boy Zuko. Zuko has had a lot of- He's from the Fire Nation! He lost his mom! Iroh went to the war and- and his face got burned by the Fire Lord who was carrying out the war. Like, ugh. I don't know. So, I guess that's not really an opinion on Jet. I don't know. I think he deserved better because he was a kid, but I also don't agree with his actions. I don't like the way he treats people. Especially Katara um, and Sokka. I just, mm, I don't know. But I guess he sort of gets redeemed in Lake Laogai. And then he dies. So, oh, that's so sad. That's really sad. Um, on to something a bit more happy. <laughs> Messenger Hawks. Woohoo! So Messenger Hawks, again, are notes submitted from people. I got a couple, which is really exciting. So I got one from Ava. I think your name is Ava. Is it Eva? Because I had a classmate in elementary school who pronounced it Eva. But I'm going to say Ava. Ava, you're so nice. I got your email and that was so, so nice. I'm glad that you listened to the podcast. It's super great to hear that, that someone does. So uh, thanks again for, for listening and sending such a nice email. And I hope you keep listening. <laughs> And Cole! Hello, Cole! Cole sent in a couple more questions. So Cole sent some a few weeks back that really got me thinking. And Cole, your questions this week, ugh, really had to think about them. So <laughs> Cole's first question was, which of the comics is your favorite and least favorite? So I gotta say, I love The Search because my biggest question after watching the animated series was like, what the fuck happened to, to Zuko's mom? And I think the comics, um, I think they wrapped it up in a, a pretty great way. Um, I also just love Azula, and we see Azula in, in that one, so 
and we see what happens to her and, and how she's been dealing with things the last, you know, couple years since the war. So I also just love Zuko and, and it's good to see that he finally got closure as did Azula because Azula was suffering a lot and I think the search helped them get some closure in their lives after so many years of wondering and questioning and blaming so I really like the search. My least favorite I still like this one, but out of all the ones that I read, I guess I have to choose one, um, is The Rift. So The Rift is the one right after The Search, so that one is mainly around Toph. Um, it was first, it was really hard for me to see Toph's father, and oof, this is spoilers, again, spoilers. It was really tough to see Toph's father just blatantly ignore his daughter and basically disown her. That was really shitty to see um i also don't really like some things that happened there because they were fighting or everyone was fighting um by everyone i mean uh toff and sorry i'm getting work emails right now um toff and ang they fought and I don't like seeing them fight. Just I don't like seeing anyone from Team Avatar fight. So, and even the promise made me really sad. But they all have a, a pretty happy ending, I guess. Um, another part of the rift that I didn't really like, or, or that I had a hard time getting through, was that Aang hurts a spirit and I think kills it. Um, so there's a spirit that is wreaking havoc in this town that Toph has agreed to help, you know, with, with business and things like that. And as the Avatar, you know, you're supposed to be the balance between the material world and the spirit world as well, you know, if you want more info on that on spirits, I suggest watching The Legend of Korra because they, they have a whole book based on spirits, even though it's the, the most disliked, um, for reasons I understand. But, I digress. Um, so Aang is talking to the spirit and at the end of it he uses all, all four elements very similarly to the last fight that he had with Ozai and he ends up like slaying this this spirit and the spirit is just kind of like no matter what like even if you're the avatar you're always gonna like favor and pick the material world over spirit world so People are confused as to why they're, the Avatar is the balance between them. is because of Avatar 1. So I would watch... If you're not going to watch anything from The Legend of Korra, I, I recommend watching Beginnings Part 1 and Part 2 because it focuses a lot on Avatar 1. And I like the animation in it, too. I think it's cool. But you don't need to watch anything else in Korra just because those two are specifically on how the, the first Avatar was created. And I think it's great. I, I'm pretty sure Beginnings Part 1 and Part 2 were, like, the highest rated The Legend of Korra episodes, but, um, so the Avatar state is actually Rava. So Rava is the spirit of light, and Vatu is the spirit of darkness. So they're always in constant battle with one another, and in order to keep Rava alive, and in order to help defeat Vatu, Avatar Wan morphed and bonded with Rava, Rava, 
and that's kind of how the avatar state is is formed i think that's kind of how well because when you're you're in the avatar state you're you're most powerful so that is kind of rava taking over i guess or helping you out and that's why there's your eyes are glowing the the arrows are glowing is because rava is a spirit of light and that's her her color but so technically the avatar is kind of part spirit so that's why they're the balance between the two so I think that's what that that spirit in the rift was talking about like no matter what you're always gonna pick the material world even though even though they're part spirit I'm totally digressing so my favorite comic see Cole I told you you always got me thinking uh favorite comic is a search least favorite even though I really like it still is the rift um and Cole's second question was if you could change anything about Avatar The Last Airbender, what would it be? So, a couple of things. So, I I think it would be cool to see more people of color and or people of the LGBTQ community getting the opportunity to work on the show, whether it's voice acting, directing, writing, anything like that. I, I think, you know, the industry is getting a little bit better with that, but there's always room for more. So, I think that would be cool. My... Next two things kind of go hand in hand. So just seeing Katara bond with girls a little bit more or other female characters, I think there was a huge missed opportunity between her and Asuki. Um, I like to think that they were best friends and even in all the fan fictions that I read, like people write them as best friends and I love it so much. Um, and, and obviously she had Toph, but Toph and her had a pretty rocky relationship no pun intended on that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And even with Hama, I, I kind of talked about Hama earlier when I was talking about Jet, but I think that was also a missed opportunity for Katara to actually bond with someone that was from her tribe that was a waterbender because this entire time she thought she was the last waterbender of the South Pole. The entirety of the South Pole, not just the Southern Water Tribe. So for her to get an opportunity to talk to someone that was from her tribe that, you know, knows the traditions of being a southern waterbender. I don't know. I think that was another missed opportunity. And also, I've seen a lot of posts about this and just the way that they wrote Hama was a little iffy. And I'll have to do more research on it and actually watch the episode again. But Hama was basically written to be unredeemable and this villain when... Hama was a native woman that was captured as a prisoner of war of this country that was imperializing on her, on her people and terrorizing her people and really tortured her for years. So I I get it. And I again, much like De Jet, I am not excusing her actions for kidnapping all of those Fire Nation people, those innocent Fire Nation people and stuffing them under a mountain. I don't agree with that at all, for sure. Um, I just think maybe the writing could have been a little bit better for her and just for female characters in, in general. Um, I've also seen some people talk about this in the comics, so I'll have to do another read-through of all the comics now that I, I have them. Oh, and, and my Kiyoshi books are finally coming! They're finally coming tomorrow, so I'm excited to finally read those, so I bought both of them. And I'm very excited to read them. I hope they come tomorrow. It says they're being shipped from California. 
I have my doubts that a book from California can get across the country and be at my doorstep all on the same day. But we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully UPS will deliver it on time. If not, that's okay. I understand. Um, but people were saying that the way Katara was written in the comics was a little iffy just because people think that she's only there to help Aang and to be the benefit. She's only there for Aang's benefit. But I'll have to reread those. And just from my observation right now, again, I have not done a whole lot of my own research on it, but so I have the library versions of The Promise, The Search, The Rift, Smoke and Shadow, North and South, and Imbalance. And on the bindings of them are a, a character right above the Dark Horse logo. So everybody has their own book binding except for Katara. So Katara is with Aang on The Promise. The Search is Azula. The Rift is Toph. Smoke and Shadow is my boy Zuko. North and South is... Sokka. <laughs> oh, Sokka looks super goofy. I love it. And Imbalance is Momo and Aang. So, right there. That proves it. Just kidding. Um, no, it doesn't. But I'll have to do more research again. But, uh, Cole, see, I told you. Your questions get me thinking. But I want to know everybody's opinions on that. What, what would you change about Avatar The Lost Airbender? I'm going to switch it around you, Cole. You answer. What, what would you change about Katara, or not Katara, about Avatar The Last Airbender? And that's not just specific to Cole. Anybody can answer. If you have any opinions on what I stated, I would love to hear it. If you don't agree with it, I would also like to hear that. Um, let me know. But, so my other questions I think were, um, what do you think about Jet? Like, what is your opinion on him? And then, how do you feel about the live action news? So, let me know about that. Uh, and then... Wow, yeah, I think that wraps up this this episode of this podcast. Woohoo! Episode 10. It's been 10 weeks, guys. So next week, we are going over the Great Divide. The Great Divide. The infamous Great Divide. So send in your messenger hawks early because I am recording the episode um, with Kevin Friday. So two days from when this podcast is being released. So send those in ASAP because I want to hear what you have to say about the Great Divide, whether you like it, whether you hate it, and why. And if you have anything you want to send me in terms of fanfiction, send those over to me. I'd love to see it. I'd love to read everything. And if you want to participate on the topic of your one true pairing, let me know too. I've already gotten some stuff. I'm really excited about that, that bonus episode. Let me know. That is it. Thank you guys so much for listening. I, again, I'm so sorry that I did not release an episode last week. I just didn't want to do that to you guys because the, the audio would have been shit. So, yeah, that's it. That's it for this week. Thanks again for listening and tune in next week. Thanks for listening in and sending me things to talk about. Write an email to hellopodcasthere at gmail.com for any questions, feedback, or things you want to hear about for future episodes. Follow me on Instagram at hellopodcasthere and on Twitter at atlapodcast. That's A-T-L-A podcast for all the latest updates. My website is coming soon. Disclaimers, I am not associated with Nickelodeon, Avatar The Lost Airbender, The Legend of Korra, or anything related to the contents discussed in this podcast. I'm not being paid to talk about or promote Avatar The Lost Airbender, I'm just a fan of the show. Hello Podcast Year, an Avatar Podcast Party is created using the Anchor app.